Welcome in everyone to episode 140 of the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damien here with Matt and David. Uh, today we're going to hit on Steven Strasberg retiring, somebody hit for the cycle uh, of the wild waiver day that today was, and then we'll jump into some miscellaneous and some injury news. Uh, but before we get into all that, David, how are you doing this week? I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, had a little bit of a long weekend, missed a, missed a day of work. There was some some illness, but we're we're good now. Uh, should be, uh, you know, a good week going forward. Been able to watch the Cubs, watch some racing this weekend. Daytona week is always uh, good and fun. Also, NASCAR returned to Milwaukee, which is a place I hate right now, but it's not because of the racetrack. It's because of the baseball team, uh, and the Cubs have a big series this week against the Brewers. So, you know, we're hoping for some success there, but uh, early returns are not that great. So, uh, hopefully things start to go a little bit better here through the rest of the week. How you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. Uh, I've been, had a pretty good, pretty good week so far. Um, uh, I'm kind of tired because I'm having to stay up late every night because the Braves are on their West Coast trip. But uh, yeah, everything's been going good. Um, just uh, watching some ball and hanging out. Looking forward to college football starting this week and uh, starts on Thursday and be down at Auburn game on Saturday and then. Uh, have a long weekend too. We got Labor Day on Monday, so uh, happy uh, Labor Day to everybody, and we'll uh, we'll see, we'll get going here. How are you doing, Damian? Buddy, college football started this past weekend. All right. Well, I mean, it's true, it did. All right, did you stay up until midnight watching the Hawaii at Vanderbilt game in the construction zone? Very much did, and I'm going to a game at that stadium later this year, and I'm not excited. I'm- Bring I'm your hard hats, you. pal, because nobody nobody <laughs> walks out of the construction zone. Um, it's just a fun thing that me and Adam were talking about this weekend during the game. But, uh, you know, I had a fun weekend. It was a uh, fantasy football draft weekend for, for me. You had a big O get together at uh, one of my coworkers' house, made a punch of food that was uh, very, very good, and nice. drafted a team that's obviously going to win because, you know, whenever anyone drafts, they think their team wins. But um, overall, it was really fun watching college football and um, watch the Dodgers win a lot. So I'm excited to uh, to get into this one because there's uh, some wild, wild stuff, stuff that has happened uh, just over the past what four or five hours as we're recording mm-hmm. this. So uh, let's go ahead and jump into other things and then we'll get to that here in a little bit. But uh, kind of start off on a little bit more of a somber news with uh, the news uh, this past week that Steven Strasburg uh, is going to have to retire from baseball due to his injury history and the, and he just can't bite the bug. And I think he's what has a shoulder injury now that he just can't, can't get away from. That's been for a couple of years. So I still remember his debut, but uh, what will you guys remember about Steven Strasburg's career? Um, I'll, I'll remember him for a lot of things. I mean, I, my team played against him a lot. He was very, very good. Um, his debut was incredible. Um, you know, his, you know, his 2019 run in the postseason. I mean, he's a World Series MVP. So, you know, uh, it's that was incredible. And, um, you know, I, I just I wish he had stayed wish he had stayed healthy. Um, but, you know, it happens with pitchers sometimes and um, it it sucks. But uh, but yeah, he had a he had a very good career. I mean, he was probably on a Hall of Fame trajectory if he had stayed healthy after 2019, even, you know, relatively healthy after 2019. But um, health was a problem for him his entire career, uh, and you know it just happened to really get after him. And thoracic outlet syndrome is no joke. We've seen what it's done to, to different guys. So, 
Uh, really hate it for Steven Strasburg. I'm glad him and the Nationals were able to kind of come to a settlement so he didn't have to keep, you know, kind of faking rehab, trying to get back on the field. Like he could kind of, I mean, it was obvious he wasn't ever going to pitch again. And if he, even if he somehow did, he wouldn't be able to do it at a high level. So why try to kind of fake it? Um, I'm glad they came to a agreement where they would pay the contract and he would, you know, just go ahead and retire officially. So um, really, you know, really sad news that he had to retire, but, um, you know, great career for him. He was in the big leagues for 12 years. So it's a long, that's a pretty long career. And, um, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that the, the word comes up with him a lot would probably be like almost like this guy was almost on the a generational, you know, one of the generational pitchers. He was almost on that, you know, Verlander, Scherzer, Kershaw, like that level, but he didn't quite get there because of the injuries. So uh, unfortunate, but, uh, you know, it happens, and um, we can remember him for some of the really good things he did. Yeah, I, I like, y'all know I like to talk about, you know, the Hall of Fame case when we look at, you know, someone who's gotten to the end of his career like this. And for Steven Strasburg, obviously, at, at age 30, you figured, you know, this guy's probably a, a shoe-in, no-doubt Hall of Famer going forward. He, he was... He was on pace. He had like 37 wins above replacement. He'd been one of the the best pitchers of the late 2010s for, you know, the entire half back half of the decade. Uh, You know, he's a World Series MVP. You know, it was kind of like all he has to do is pitch a little bit. And then he didn't pitch at all. Um, So I think he'll wind up being short of the Hall of Fame, I think, pretty, pretty clearly. But, um, you know, the thing that you'll go out and remembering, a lot of people will remember is the contract, but hopefully they look past that and see the, the World Series MVP that led to the contract. And, um, you know, I think you want, if you're Washington, you sign that deal every time. The The fact that this guy just never got back to being on the field is in no way his fault, right? It's a just a, a freak thing, and it's disappointing because Strasburg was really, really good. And, um, yeah, I mean, I remember his debut. You know, that's the kind of thing that it gets evoked a lot as one of the you know best debuts of all time. And I think it's, it'll go down kind of as exactly that. So, um, so you know, Steven Strasburg was really good, anchored a really good Nats rotation. Yeah. I, other than that, it's just disappointing that it, it has come to this because, you know, it was pretty clear he wasn't getting back. Yeah. And it's just the level of talent he had was incredible. And you, He's going to go into one of those tiers of the the Brandon Roy's, the Greg Odins, and stuff like. If only they could have stayed healthy for their entire career. I mean, David Wright's another one too. Tim Lincecum, like, yeah, Tim Lincecum. Like you're going to get this. If only they could have stayed healthy. What you know, it, it was a joy watching him, and I wish him all the best moving forward. He had some some phenomenal, phenomenal games and moments in MLB, um, but it's going to be sad to to see him go, and especially due to uh, to like the thoracic outlet syndrome and, and stuff. So yeah, Matt, Matt Harvey's another one that yeah. you can throw in there and, and it's the same injury. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of what we're seeing with um even Cindergard a little bit too. Yeah, for He's sure. The, the stuff right now. But uh so let's go ahead and jump over to our next thing and that was that Jose Otuve hit for the cycle last night in Boston. Um I know he did it his the, the last hit he needed was the homer and he hit it over the monster so uh, very fun moment there, but Jose Altuve hitting for the cycle. Yeah, that was that was really cool. Uh, the fun thing about that is this first one, and he had a game three or four years ago where he hit a 
he had needed a triple. He had a ball in the gap. He was going to get the triple, and he tripped running around the bases, and it ended up being a double. And uh, <laughs> so he lost his cycle on that. I don't know if y'all remember that play, yeah. but um, that kind of, you know, he lost it on that. So it's kind of a little bit of a vindication for him because he, he did get his cycle. Uh, and he's the type of player that, you know, he's got pretty good power and he's got speed and makes a lot of contact, gets a lot of hits. Like, he's the type of player you would expect to hit for cycles. It just kind of shows his, um, you know, I show Jose Altuve is a, a great player. And I don't know what the cheating scandal from the Astros might do to him. But if, you know, uh, if you don't look at that, then he's going to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, if he, yep. if you, you know, if you're not worried about the cheating thing. It's funny. I I was I just saw this too, and the reason, of course, that Jose Altuve hit for the the cycle is he's playing against me in fantasy this week. So <laughs> that'll that'll do it every time. Um, but you know the the thing about Jose Altuve is that this season he's put together a really really good. Uh, awesome. yeah, we'll call it a. It's not a half season. It's more of a quarter season to this point. Uh, but my goodness, he has been on pace to do exactly what he's done his whole career. Um, at, at the top of his game once again, and it's a big part of why the Astros are kind of able to withstand the the onslaught by the Mariners right now. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit here, but you know th- that's a team that has needed every bit of this offensive outburst by Jose Altuve. He's up to a 163 WRC plus going into today, uh, with his highest career on base percentage at 4.15. So. You know, this guy is getting better with age, which is wild, uh, and getting better around the the cheating stuff and the, uh, you know, the the potential stigmas that came from that, right? I mean, that was his former best season until last year, and then this season he's been right on pace with last season. So he's figured out how to get to that level of, of you know, 60% above league average type of performance on the regular, and hopefully he can, you know, you know, keep that going because yeah. the Astros are going to need it. That team has been uh, pretty weak offensively apart from him. And Kyle Tucker. And Jordan, what he's played. Jordan hadn't even been as good as he was last year. Was... Not as good as last year, but he's still it's been really good. Uh, yeah, another thing, too, is we I mean, didn't even have it on the show sheet, but uh, Michael Brantley was activated from the IL today. Ooh. Um, I did not for the Astros. see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't see that. as well. So, um, being able to get him back, I think I believe he's missed all year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he had played. Um, so that's uh, another addition back to that offense. And Jeremy Pena has looked a lot better recently as well. So Astros are kind of finding their stride here. Uh, but let's go ahead and um, talk about the waiver madness that we had happen today. And that I guess it kind of started with the the Yankees kind of released Josh Donaldson earlier in the day, um, but the big one was about what, 2 o'clock or one thirty uh, West Coast time, so 5.30 Eastern time uh, back East, but that the Angels put Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Reynaldo Lopez, Randall Gritchick, Hunter Ren- and Hunter Renfro on waivers, basically just releasing them out and allowing them to get claimed by a team uh, by Thursday, which is the deadline to be on a roster and be eligible for the playoffs. Um, and since we saw the Angels moves, a couple other teams have done some other ones. Harrison Bader from the Yankees, Carlos Carrasco from the Mets, uh, White Sox put Mike Clevenger out, 
at the Tigers put out Jose Cisnero and then the Guardians DFA Noah Syndergaard, I believe yesterday. So he's also out there, but, um, you know, some teams on the fringe and we'll get to kind of talk about that playoff run here too, but, uh, some really good players out on waivers here that these teams that are fighting for a, uh, a wild card spot or, or division can pick up for free and not even have to make a trade for. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to look at. Um, and I think most of these guys probably have a chance to get picked up. I mean, I, I definitely think Lucas Giolito does. Um, you know, the relief, all the relievers on the list do. I could see Randall Grishop getting picked up. Um, you know, Hunter Renfro, I think, will get picked up. I, I don't, Bader will for sure get picked up by somebody. I don't think Donaldson will. I don't, I really don't think Carrasco will. He's just been so bad this year. Clevenger, maybe his ERA is good, but his other numbers have been horrible. Um, like his his peripherals, uh. So and then I don't think Cindergard will. He might sign a minor league deal next year. I, I don't think he's if he even wants to pitch. So, uh, but it's definitely been interesting. And we'll talk about you know the the races up here in a, in a couple minutes, the close races. But uh, it'll be interesting to see which players might be able to get one of these guys. Um, because you know you if you're on waivers, obviously you have that that order, the waiver order. And, uh, you know, the teams that are on the fringe are going to be get the first shot to claim these guys. So, like, you know, the Reds need pitching. Well, there's a starting pitcher now. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But, um, you know, I think it's a good move for the Angels to try to get under the luxury tax and let these guys, you know, go find their way onto a postseason roster um, if, if they could possibly get under the tax. I mean, the Yankees, um, I don't. I mean, Donaldson, what, they didn't want to play him when he came back, so they figured they'd go ahead and release him. I don't know why they're getting rid of Bader. I, I don't think, I guess they put, they called up that minor, that, uh, rookie the other day, Pereira. So, um, you know, the other guys, I mean, I, you know, a lot of these are just teams wanting to get looks at young guys and getting rid of the struggling veterans or veterans that are free agents at the end of the year and trying to clear their money if they can. I did see that somebody said that the Yankees are also considering promoting Jason Dominguez. Um, so maybe that's another reason for the yeah. Bader, uh, Bader thing as well. But uh, weirdly enough, Randall Gritchick is playing for the Angels right now and hit a homer. So Yeah, knows, I saw him playing knows, earlier today. I was like, who knows um, about that? I think waivers yeah. are still on the team until yeah, you're you claimed are. or released. I didn't think so. so. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure that's the difference between just putting someone on waivers and DFAing them is that you know you don't have a they're still on the roster while you're while they're on waivers. So I mean, if they don't pick, if someone doesn't claim these guys, they'll just keep playing them probably or you know like no oh, no no once they re- no if you're waived you 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 get released at the end. But yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't think uh, you could still play. But I think until that happens, I think they're still part of the organization. Um, yeah, but, they, but I apparently, they apparently that. have to waive them today, and yeah. if they're on the active roster and playing on the game, it wouldn't count till tomorrow, I would think. Yeah, well, they have to waive them today because it. of um, yeah, because because the the, the deadline for being on yeah, a postseason roster is you know September first. So, but the day's already counted if your game started, right? So Maybe if you can't waive them after, I wouldn't imagine. I don't no. know. It's weird. Um, but anyways, David, go ahead. Yeah, a very important one, I think, for the fringe teams right on the border, right? I mean, you know, you you're looking at two teams in the Cubs and the Reds. The Cubs do not know who's starting on Saturday, right now. They have 
quite literally no one. They called up, uh, they have a doubleheader Saturday, and they called up uh, Jordan Wicks this week. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but they're running low on starters, and boy, wouldn't it be nice to be able to bring up Lucas Giolito, who spent a lot of his career in Chicago, uh, and bring him over. Thing is, I don't think he's getting to the Cubs, and I, I, I don't think no. uh, most of these guys are going to make it to the Cubs. And you, know, you, you look at a lot of the Matt Moore, Reynaldo Lopez, and, and Jose Cicerno are, I think, the three guys that are genuine big impact guys uh, for a, a major league bullpens at this point, whom are just they, they all could have been moved at the trade deadline. Angels decided not to sell. I think they traded for Reynaldo Lopez, and the Tigers ended up not finding a partner for Cizerno, who's got bad peripherals but got good stuff. So I, I, I like whoever picks these team, these guys up. I think the Marlins will be in, Giants will be in, Diamondbacks, Reds, Cubs uh, for the AL. That, that's less obvious. I think all three AL West teams are going to be interested in this. The bats could, I think, probably head to the AL West. All three of those teams are probably looking for an extra hitter. So, you know, this could get really, really interesting. Just depends on the record, right? I think it's in in terms of inverse record for who gets to claim these guys first. And uh, it's a big advantage for the teams that are a little bit further down. So uh, maybe the Padres step in and try to... Add some more and make a run. Who knows, right? So I think the uh, Padres the other, are dead. I do too, but the th- they they might not. the The thing, the other factor here to consider is that uh, a lot of these teams are either close to the luxury tax or they're really, really far away from it, like the the Marlins and the Reds. Cubs are buff- buffering up right right against it, so uh, their ability to make a move here may be kind of limited. Yeah, and that's that's part of the main reason why apparently the Angels are doing this is to try and get under the luxury tax uh, threshold for this year. Um, so if, if any of these guys get claimed, I think if they would get under barely if any of them if are claimed or, or two of them are. I think is what it is. None of them have a big salary. Yeah, I think Giolito's like 1.2 or something, but yeah. Um, anyway, so while, you know, we're talking about these races here and, and who could potentially claim them, well, why don't we just look back at the, the standings here for a second. And, uh, the real big change that we've had happen is that Seattle has now overtaken the Rangers, um, to take the AL West lead, Texas and Houston are tied for second, only one game back there. Um, and then the wild cards, we still have some, some pretty close races here with, um, you know, see, uh, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Arizona, and the Cubs. I think they're all separated by like two games from the wild card right now. Or, mm-hmm. um, and the Cubs are the second wild card. And then Miami is just a game back behind that, um, you know, two and a half back of, of Arizona. So some, some fringe teams right there that could potentially be on the lookout, at least for the, uh, the wild card. But, uh, what do you guys think about the AL West with the Mariners, uh, now taking the lead of that? Yeah. The, the Mariners have just been, Hair and I mean it has coincided with the Rangers have just played really poorly lately, um, which has been a you know it's kind of been unfortunate for them. But yeah, the Mariners have been on a tear. Julio Rodriguez has been by far the best player in baseball over the last like month, and it, it, you know I think you would I think he would even be in that category of he over the last month he was better than Otani. Like he's been that good. Um, 
and he they're playing the A's tonight. So and, and you know for three game series started last night, so that's going to help the Mariners as well. Uh, but um, you know the the Astros have struggled with their pitching a little bit lately. Uh, Hunter Brown's come back to earth. Christian Javier's having a rough year. Um, you know, and, and then JP France got gave up like. 12 runs or something the other day in the first inning or something like it was pretty crazy. But, um, you know, I think that, um, and, and the Rangers, man, they just got to, I don't, I don't even know what the range, the Rangers bullpen has been a, a problem. Uh, Chapman's still been really good, but like, I, they're just not winning close games right now and their bullpen's blown a bunch of saves and it's been, it's been rough for them lately. So, um, the Mariners right now, I mean, they look like the, you know, with that pitching staff, that's a dangerous team. They got four or five pitchers that could. They got. They probably got five guys who could make a postseason start, and you feel really good about it right now, which is crazy. Yep. They got a lot of, and part. This is also coincided with Julio Rodriguez's tear, right? Like, you know, him being the best player in Major League Baseball over the last two weeks, sitting you know five fifty eight with a three twenty three WRC plus. That's the the coinciding factor, and then. Sitting fourth on that list is T. Oscar Hernandez, who's bashed five home runs, and Cal Raleigh's also got five home runs in the last two weeks. So that that their offense coming to life um, is kind of coincided with their hot streak, and it's being led by Julio Rodriguez, and I think it's giving that team a lot of confidence. You know, we talked about them being the team of destiny last postseason. I I think they might be that again. Because they've played all season like a team that we all went, ah, man, they could really be better than this. And here they are playing really good baseball down the stretch right when it matters, right when you need to go in there and win a and win a division. This team is picking it up and doing it. I, I do think this will be a, a playoff team, and it will be a dangerous playoff team uh, come October. Yeah, looking at the playoff odds, uh, they now have a 40% chance to win the division, uh, basically one percentage point back at the Astros. They have a 7% World Series odds now, which is, I mean, that doesn't sound high, but it's that's high. You know, one of the higher ones, yeah. It's and high so, for, uh, for this. Yep. Yeah, so you know, we were talking about the Julio Rodriguez month and saw on Twitter earlier from August or on August third, Julio Rodriguez's line was batting two forty eight, seventeen homers and twenty six stolen bases. As of today, he's batting two eighty six with twenty four homers and thirty five stolen bases on the year. So uh in that little bit of time he's you know, raised his batting average thirty eight points, hit or stole nine bases and what is that? Hit seven homers? Yeah, hit seven homers in that stretch as well. So, um, you know, it's about the line of what we would expect Julio Rodriguez to kind of put up um, is what you're finally seeing here. But uh, mm-hmm. what other races are you guys kind of eyeing here as we're getting ready to start September? Uh, when it comes to divisions, I think uh, the the AL West is the big one, but the AL East is still very close. The Orioles have a two-and-a-half game lead on the Rays. Um, and the Orioles just lost Felix Bautista, which I guess we'll talk about a little bit more later, but, um, that's a team that, you know, has been holding on, you know, most of the year and, um, just keeps winning. So, uh, they do have a little bit easier schedule the rest of the way than the Rays. And, uh, you know, the Rays have kind of weathered the storm that they had with all the, you know, couple of awful weeks with the injuries and then the Franco situation and, 
they've kind of stayed in there. Um, so that's what I'm kind of watching is to see who gets that win because, you know, that's a big deal who wins that division. You know, whoever yep. loses has to go play a three-game series against a team that's probably a probably one of those AOS teams. So, um, which, you know, that's not going to be easy. I mean, if you are if you lose that division, if you're in the race and you finish in second, well, you get to go play the Astros. Like, uh, for three games. So that's a big deal winning that division. Um, and then uh, I'll let David talk a little bit, I guess, about the NL Central. Um, but that one's kind of starting to look like the Brewers right now. Yeah, I mean, the Cubs have, have head-to-head games against the Brewers. Yeah. And, you know, they're going to need to – they need to win the head-to-head games, point blank, to, to keep it a race. Um, you know, the, the last series of the season is a three-game set against the Brewers as well. Uh, between the Cubs, so we will know by then whether or not those games matter. But if the Cubs can keep it within, you know, three games, they'll be in in enough, you know, close enough shape that 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 will come down to mattering. Um, but they the way they're playing, you know, yesterday they lost and today they're they're up. But Justin Steele got hit on a comebacker, so you know the Cubs can't really afford any more pitching depth hits at this point. Um. I just I worry uh, about their potential there for winning the division, but I think the AL the NL wild card race is going to be the very interesting one. You've got I think six teams fighting for three spots: Phillies, Marlins, Cubs, Reds, Diamondbacks, Giants will all be fighting for three spots. That's uh, going to be a dogfight, and the Cubs have a bunch of games against the teams in that group, so. Either they'll they'll earn it or they won't, right? But um, you know the, those teams are all going to be kind of playing each other a little bit. Cubs and Reds have a, a set against each other coming up too, uh, and they're all separated by just a couple of games. So that that's I think the biggest race so far. And then the Blue Jays are on the outside looking in right now. Yeah. They need to keep pace with the Rangers and the Astros because those are the two teams I think they're chasing. Uh, for that last AL wildcard spot. So it's four teams for the three spots in the AL right now and uh, six teams for the three spots in the NL. Yeah, the, you mentioned the Blue Jays, and I think that team is, you know, that that's that's a, they got they got some problems. Bo Bichette is on the IL. I think Matt Chapman's on the IL, isn't he? He is. Um, yeah, that's he their two right. best players, and their next best players are Whit Merrifield and Brandon Belt by war. So. Um, you know, that's been, and of course, but you know, no offense to, you know, Whit Merrifield's had a good year. He's over two war and, and Brandon Belt, um, you know, Brandon Belt's been really good, a 132 WRC plus, but uh, they need somebody. I mean, Springer hasn't been playing very well. He's, he's basically been a league average hitter. Uh, Vlad Jr. has been just very mediocre. I mean, he hasn't been mediocre at the plate, but I mean, he's been the worst defender in baseball, not named Kyle Schwarber. And, He's plays first base and he's got a 116 WRC plus. Like he's been okay, but I, you know it's t- this team. This team needs offense. Their pitching's been pretty good, but like I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't think they're better than the teams ahead of them, honestly. So yeah, I mean they have some they have some real issues in in, in the stretch run. You know, you just lost two of your best players, and yeah. they still have some real question marks. Um, on that team. So uh, just going to be here with the stretch run and what the, what the blue Jays can do without uh, Bachette and, and Matt Chapman. So it'll be something to watch. 
Um, so let's go to, we had a couple more call-ups this week, so let's go ahead and jump to those real quick. Uh, the first one being with the Cubs calling up the left-handed pitcher Jordan Wicks. I believe he made his debut on Saturday against Pittsburgh. Is that right, David? It is right, and he was really good. <laughs> He's, he, uh, he looked, he gave up a homer in his first batter, and everyone was kind of like, oh no, right? But he settled in through five innings, uh, nine strikeouts. And just two hits, including the one home run. So he was very, very good. Uh, and this is a guy who it looks like he's right out of the 1980s. He's got the goggles. Uh, he's a he's a glasses pitcher. And baseball has not had a good glasses pitcher since, like, the days of Kevin Gregg. So it's nice to have one back. But uh, hopefully Jordan Wicks can keep it up. Uh, he's got he's got good stuff everybody kind of when he got drafted he was kind of compared to like a a lighter version of john lester a guy who throws a cutter and a change up from the left side uh ought to be able to go in there and just throw strikes that's what he did in his debut uh and then he was able to get a lot of strikes out strikeouts a lot of swings and misses with that change up um so i i think he'll be he'll be a good he'll be a good pitcher i don't think he's a ace or anything i don't think he's gonna set the world on fire but I think he can go in there and give you five to six good innings, and the Cubs desperately need guys who can do that right now. I mean, they're 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 hurting for pitching depth. So Jordan Wicks, really good, uh, good, really good little pickup there. Yeah, he he should help him. Um, he's definitely he's the type of guy that I feel like maybe you know uh, once he sees a team three or four different times, he might struggle because he's got that one like really really good pitch. But he might be one of those guys that, you know, it's going to take teams seeing them, you know, a few different games to adjust to him. So he might be a guy that has a really good month here at the end of the season and uh, is able to help him a lot. Yeah. Hey, and Zach Gallon is a glasses pitcher, David. That's oh, true. He on is. His name. Um, there go. Zach Gallon, Jordan Wicks, your glasses pitchers. We, had, we need one from the left side. Add one from the right. Yeah. That, that's where that's where you got right-hander now left-hander perfect um so the next one we had was the red Sox called up and matt go ahead and say this now i butchered it earlier i believe it's sedan rafaela well there you go sedan rafaela called up by the red Sox. so tell us a little bit more about him yeah he's been a high-rated prospect um for uh for a while he really burst onto the scene i believe last year i started hearing a lot of people talking about him um, you know, he's a, um, he's a guy that, um, he's gonna, I think he'll help them out pretty well. He's, he's interesting. Um, he's an interesting guy for sure. Um, I'm trying to pull up his page. It's not working. <laughs> I got it. You got, I got it. it. You, you talk about it first, then I'll talk about it. I was trying he to is. get the stats in it. And... Yeah, I know. I got you. <laughs> he's a 22 year old center fielder. Yeah. Uh, Boston's got a bunch of these types of guys, really high caliber athletes that may or yep. may not be able to hit the ball. Uh, Rafaela's issue is always going to be that hit tool and, and maybe the approach tool as well. He kind of ran really low walk rates throughout his minor league career. Yeah. And so the question for him is never going to be the defense and the athleticism because he's about the only guy competing with Pete Crow Armstrong for that best glove in the minor leagues. Uh, he, he's going to be a really good defensive center fielder. The, the big question for him is always going to be whether he can get that walk rate in line and and not be abused uh you know in the in the strike zone or out of the strike zone by the pitchers uh you know i i think he's a good prospect i don't know if he's a great prospect uh but he's you know the red Sox have a pretty good development system and they're pretty solid with grabbing these uh 
these types of players. I mean, we saw what they've done with Jaron Duran and Adam Duvall this year, who've been really, really good in the outfield, and, and also Alex Verdugo. So I think he's up replacing Jaron Duran. I think Duran's down for the rest of the season. We might not have that written yeah. down. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think Rafael is – he's got a lot of good tools – I do question whether he'll be able to get to all of those tools to be any kind of a star player. Yeah. Now that I have his page actually pulled up, I can elaborate <laughs> a little bit, um, but he, um, for one thing, he's got a 1000 batting average at the big leagues. Um, Cause I think mm-hmm. he got one plate appearance yesterday and got a hit, but he, um, he's a guy that uh, he's like David said, low walk rate, strikeout rate's not terrible but he you know i think that's kind of got to do with the approach of just he's swinging a ton and and he's gonna swing at the first pitch a lot put the ball in play he probably swings at at bad pitches and, and puts weak contact into play a bit too um you know he's a potential gold glove center fielder um uh, which is awesome his profile reminds me a little bit of what i saw from christian pache uh, in the Braves system when he was coming up and he got traded to Oakland and I believe he's now with the Phillies. Like just this elite, elite center fielder that has good numbers in the minor leagues at the plate, but is the, the you know, there's a big time question on if it's going to translate. So, um, but at the same time, you know, if you're the, if you're the Red Sox, like you've got this guy in AAA who's an elite center field defender already and he's knocking the cover off the ball at triple a right now he's 14 home runs in 48 games and a you know a 138 wrc plus like you kind of have to call him up uh when duran gets hurt i mean he's not like he's an 18 year old or something he's 22 years old um you know it's probably time to give him a shot and you know we'll see what he does we'll we'll keep an eye on that walk rate to strikeout rate uh see what happens there and and see if he sticks immediately in the big leagues but uh definitely an interesting guy to keep up with here over the stretch run and if he gets hot you know he might help them they're they're not out of it at all so yeah i was gonna say it's probably a thing of where you call him up and you're on the fringe of a playoff run right now see if he brings a spark but if anything you just get him a little bit of service time now um going into a potential you know stretch run here and get him that experience and he doesn't really count towards your uh you know, his rookie status isn't affected. So you can bring him back next year and be in the high rated prospect. If you get him the success, he's successful right now. Um, you know, he could be in line for one of those, you know, rookie of the year awards and maybe bonuses next year. Um, so just, uh, see what he can do. Um, so let's go ahead and jump to the other big story that we had. Um, and that was that it happened this last, was it Wednesday is when it was now. Yeah. Wednesday came out of the game with, both what was announced as arm fatigue and later found out that it was a partial tear of the UCL. And that is of course, none other than Shohei Otani. Um, you know, he had battled, been battling some arm fatigue and, and some arm issues for the past month or so, um, had skipped his start this last time, um, and, uh, declined some imaging and then had to leave the game in the third inning, I believe it was. Yeah. In the third inning, um, Got the UCL, got the imaging partial tear of the UCL. Has not decided what's he going to do for surgery wise, and he is still hitting right now. But um, definitely an obvious blow to the not really the Angels because they were kind of out of it, but um, you know, going to be what was going to be one of the more fun uh, free agent 
or probably the funnest free agent um, saga we were going to have this offseason. Maybe it's affected a little bit by his ability if he does have to have Tommy John surgery or something. But uh, Shohei Otani is going to be probably out with arm surgery at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of all knew that this was a possibility at some point. You know, the way that he plays, where he, you know, the hitting and pitching that's never been done before, um, or at least in the modern era hadn't been done before, and, you know, just the wear and tear that can take on your body. Um, I don't, you know, it, it's unfortunate to see it happen, you know, especially like right before free agency. And this puts a damper on that. I mean, a lot of people want to talk about, oh, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter, but it really does. I mean, you don't know if this is a, if he has Tommy John surgery. Uh, this will be a second one, and the list of guys who have come back strong from their second Tommy John surgery it's it's not zero. There's been several. I mean, we see some guys right now like Nathan Avaldi has had two Tommy John surgeries and he's been really good. Like. Um, it, the reports sound like Walker Bueller after his second Tommy John coming back has looked pretty good. Uh, I believe like his stuff looks good. Um, you know, I, there's been there's been guys, but like it's not a sure thing. Unless so the first one's typically a pretty sure thing you'll come back from. You know, it's it's got a pretty high success rate these days. But that second one's tough, and um, you know, and then you throw in the fact that like if you're hitting, how does that affect your recovery? So. Um, there's going to be some decisions to be made here for Shohei. There's going to be teams to trying to decide. It throws an even bigger wrench into the value of Shohei and what what he's worth to teams. And I mean, it's man, it, it's tough. I, I'm very interested to see what happens here. You know, with with what happens at free agency. But man, it it, it really just sucks to see Shohei get hurt. He's such a, such a talented player. He means so much to baseball right now. Um, seeing him gets hurt just sucks. Yeah, so the the discussion from last Wednesday, as I recall it, revolved around what does that contract turn into, right? You know, and I think that's kind of going to be the kind of the question on both all the major league teams and all of us fans' minds is how does this turn out? Um, can't you know, let's just say the worst happens and Shohei can't pitch anymore what does that contract look like well <laughs> Shohei's still the best hitter in baseball not named Aaron Judge if you're going on a pure like rate basis you know like on the the given walks given power given um you know the the stat cast page he and Aaron Judge pre free agency like the three years pre agent pre free agency Aaron Judge went 140 WRC plus 150 WRC plus 209 WRC plus set records and got a 360 million dollar deal Shohei is going to be 150 141 180 with the you know he'll hit 50 homers this year probably presuming he stays and continues to hit the rest of the season so you know, he's probably going to get around that deal just as a hitter, you know, and, and, and it, nobody, nobody paid, the Yankees are not paying Aaron Judge to play the field and eventually he'll have to probably DH for them. So I don't think the DH factor of Shohei Otani is really all that big of a deal in this contract, right? I mean, he's still going to be one of the best hitters in baseball this year. He's got 6.4 wins above replacement, but 
it was always the allure that he could also be a top of the rotation starter that made that contract look like a you know a 500 a 600 a 700 million dollar contract to a single player because he could occupy two spots on your roster with one roster spot right he could occupy your starting pitcher spot and your dh spot and then you would be able to have a more flexible roster around him because of that fact if that is off the table or at you know in jeopardy at all the contract's going to look different and the the pursuit in free agency is going to come down to what teams are getting the most creative with their offer i think the way this contract winds up structured is some kind of 400 right around 400 million dollar guarantee and then a escalator for how many innings he pitches per year and a lot of in escalators and incentives for pitching and I think his this is going to, in fact, it might even make some more teams interested because you're getting him at a relative discount just based on how much he can pitch because that's an unknown now. Whereas before, you'd be expecting him to go in there and do what he's been doing every year, which is kind of unrealistic, but it's what we were all thinking about anyway. So, you know, I, I like how this sets up for it to be more competitive before we were hearing like, right? Like it was probably just going to come down to maybe three or four big market teams, but maybe some other teams are more interested in, you know, paying for the amount of pitching they get uh, for Shohei rather than just, you know, paying for the best hitter in baseball and a great pitcher. Um, so hopefully, hopefully it, it, it turns out that he doesn't need surgery because obviously if he's getting a second opinion, then, you know, he's trying to hunt down one of those, you know, treatments that maybe can regrow that UCL a little bit and hopefully he can make that happen. But, uh, I think we all kind of feel like he's going to end up having to have surgery and maybe miss next year in terms of pitching, but he'll, he'll still be an effective hitter. So it's just a matter of whether or not he can, um, get back to pitching. The one thing about him for next year is that if he does hit through the end of the year this year um, and, and then gets Tommy John surgery, he might miss the start of next year at the plate. I know, you know, Bryce Harper missed the first month or so of the season this year after he had Tommy John surgery last off season. Of course, his Tommy John surgery was a little bit later because of the playoffs and the and right. going to the world series, but still he missed about a month, in, but that was also a record recovery. And this is Shohei's second and it's a, guy who wants to pitch so the recovery is different from from harper who just you know throws in the outfield so you know we'll see what happens with the him being able to hit every day if he wants to continue pitching and he gets a tommy john uh i know he did it the first time where he got tommy john and then he hit that year but he you know we'll see what happens there but hopefully they make a quick decision on it and, and a well-informed decision obviously but hopefully they make a quick decision on it so that he can you know, get ready for next year if, if he does have to get surgery. Right. And obviously we don't know what the partial tear aspect of this is. So, I mean, if it's a, it's a, a small enough tear where maybe he can't pitch through the end of this season, but over the off season, maybe he could, um, you know, potentially get to a, a point where it's healing himself. If he does just through some rehab, um, I, I know Max Muncie did some stuff like that when he had his UCL injury, um, Obviously, he's not a pitcher either, but um, there there are some options if it's a small enough tear where you might be able to do like some uh, some platement enrichment stuff um, and get it back that way. So I think it's since it is just a partial tear and it's not the full tear, and he is looking for the second opinion that gets maybe it's a little bit more encouraging. But um, 
it does put a little bit of damper on what the the free agency aspect is going to probably look like just because he's not going to be at the top of the game. There's going to be this question mark. But, I mean, we're still looking at somebody who is most likely going to get $500 million. Um, I don't think he will. I don't think he will guarantee it. I think he'll – I think the total – the deal's going to be weird because he's he's going to need – he's going to surpass the judge deal. Yeah, judge got Um, 360. Yeah. And he had no – like there was a much more extensive injury history there and – we know that Shohei is the level of hitter, and at some point he could still be a pitcher. I mean, even if it's two or three years down the road, if he does get the Tommy John again, maybe he is a starter, but maybe he just turns into like a two inning like closer, or maybe he just comes in yeah, as an, a dominant there's... closer, like we saw him at the WBC. Like some teams going to value that enough, and just because of the marketability of Shohei Otani, like it's going to reach five hundred million dollars. I have a feeling just. Yeah, teams are going to get into this point where they're be like, well, we don't care because we're going to make this much money back, if not more throughout the 10 years that we're going to offer Shohei anyways. Um, so why not? Like, I, I think it's going to reach the $500 million mark. It, it, I guess, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I will say one thing that I've kind of thought of, or, you know, I've heard it a lot too, but what if he signs a deal similar to the judge deal, but has an opt out after after two years where, you know, the team might be able to get one year of pitching out of him after he recovers. And then, but if he's back and he's successful in the mound, then he can opt out and then get that, you know, gigantic contract. And then if he doesn't, isn't successful in the mound, you know, that year, then he can, or, you know, in the recovery slow or something, then he can opt in and still get the gigantic contract, but he could get back to his, what he would get with the, you know, with the pitching aspect too, if if he opted out, I, I think that's something you might see as well. A team might get creative with that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's opt outs in the deal, um, especially an earlier one either. But um, staying just kind of on the Angels track as well, and that is that we said last week that Mike Trout was getting activated from the IL. He played exactly one game uh, and then had to go back to the IL because of a left wrist injury. Um, and mind you, the injury that he came off with was a hamate bone injury um, in the same left hand. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sucks to see Mike Trout go to the IL again, but this I don't think this is really a new thing. Um, I think it's just the fact that when you come back from a hamate bone, a lot of it's just kind of pain tolerance playing through it. And it bothered him really, really bad coming back. But, you know, with the Angels theoretically not really eliminated, he was going to give it a go. And then he played one game in which Shohei got hurt. And when Shohei got hurt and couldn't pitch and they lost again and the pain was really bad, I think the Angels just said, go ahead, shut it down. So I don't really think it's a new thing. I think this is just him. It can't, you know, it's it's tough to come back from hamate bone, you know, quickly. So, um, you know, I hate it for Mike Trout. This is a guy that he's been hurt a lot lately. Um and it sucks because he's one of the best players in baseball still. So um, really hate to see him go back down. Yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing. Any any game, anytime you're losing Mike Trout to an injury, it's it's pretty disappointing. But it does it, maybe it doesn't. But I I do wonder if Mike Trout isn't uh, on the block to some degree by the Angels this off season if they're. Uh, if they end up losing out on Otani, I kind of wonder if they won't try to 
capitalize on Trout while there's still maybe some glimmer of hope there. Um, the only concern with Trout is that I think the Angels would probably have to eat a lot of money because of his injuries recently, and that if they have to eat a lot of money, then I don't think Artie Marino is going to want to do that. Just eat money for right, to trade well, Mike Trout. Trout. So on. I think they'll just keep him. Like, I, I, we'll see, but he wouldn't trade Otani in a clear like trade situation. There's no way he's trading Mike Trout. Yeah. He doesn't want that right. on his unless resume. he sells the team at this point. Yeah, he might. It, it, we'll see. The Angels are the Angels are in such a horrible place. And and I, while I admire Perry Minosian for going for it there at the deadline, um, you know, this is a there was a flawed organization from the yeah. start, right? Yeah. Well, their put, their development just isn't there. Yeah, he's put been put, he's just put in a bad situation because he you know the owners telling him go for it, go for it. We're gonna win. We're gonna try to win. Don't trade Shohei, and he knows that that's a bad decision but he's like well if we're going to go all in we're going to go all in and do what we can so i mean i i, I get it for him i mean it, it really is unfortunate for him because he's probably going to be a down you know a fall guy for it you know it, it sucks kind of like the the astros are going to make you know when a bunch of these deals that cranes made by forcing them on the um you know forcing these deals on the uh, gm you know and, and then they lose the west for the first time in forever like he's gonna start blaming the GM for that, and you know the, you know the Mets are gonna blame Epler for signing Scherzer and Verlander to all that money, and you know it not working out. So, uh, it's probably had a lot to do with Cohen. So it's one of those things. But uh, for whatever it's worth on that, Justin Verlander's last three starts for Houston: two twenty-five ERA, three wins. Yeah. Well, that's not the only. <laughs> yeah, that's not the only deal I'm. I'm. I've, yeah. I'm talking about. I mean, just in general. No, I like, gotcha. I mean, they signed Jose. They let Guriel go, who hadn't been good, but they signed Jose Abreu to a big contract, and he's been really bad this year. Even though he's been a little better lately. Um, he's gotten like, back to it. I, yeah. I, I mean, we'll they. See. Yeah, they. They've definitely done some. You know, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, so um, just more on the injury news front, we kind of hit on Felix Batista a little bit here when we're talking about the the Orioles and the AL East, but uh, he does have a UCL injury to the extent we're not sure, um, but most likely it sounds like he's most likely going to be out for the season um, as well. So the Orioles, who's leading the AL East, going for their first playoff run in, what, five years? Uh, Six years, seven. I think it might be seven. Yeah, might be seven. It's one. Um, lose their their closer. Um, you know who's been one of the best pitchers in baseball this year. Lose him. So, uh, big blow there. And then uh, hit on the Bobichet one earlier. Uh, he's out with a strained quad. Not sure how long that one's going to be. Um, the other two injuries that we had were Matt McLean from the Reds went on the IL with an oblique strain, and we know how finicky those can be. So. Not a good sign for what that might look like for the Reds in this stretch run. Uh, and then Tony Gonsolin uh, of the Dodgers uh, was placed on the IL last week and is announced that he's going to have Tommy John surgery on September 1st. So it takes him out of this entire season and next season as well. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate. A lot of Tommy John surgeries lately, which sucks. Um, you know, Felix Bautista, I'm glad that you know, luckily for the Orioles, they still have somebody who can really shut down games at the end and Yanir Cano, but um, really sucks to lose him. And then, 
Gonsolin, that, that's unfortunate. The Dodgers, probably their only weakness as a team is, is some of the pitching uh, in the rotation, and, and not having Gonsolin's going to hurt, even though he, he wasn't very good this year. Um, you know, not having him's going to hurt because he's an experienced guy who's pitched a lot in the playoffs. Uh, Matt McClain hurts bad. I mean, he was, if not for Corbin Carroll being absolutely unreal, Matt McClain would be in a, a normal year rookie of the year. Um, he's yep. been awesome. And, uh, you know, luckily for the Reds, they have a ton of middle infield depth. So it's not the end of the world to lose them because they got guys like Noel V. Marte that's been called up and, and you know, Dela Cruz and in India. And they got all kinds of guys in the middle infield. But losing Matt McClain really hurts them because he's been so good. Bo Bichette, I mean, like I say, that team just, it's, you know, there's a lot of lot of problems with that Blue Jays team right now, um, and they're look not looking great. Yeah, Bo might be a death knell for the Blue Jays yep. if he doesn't get back to it. The the one saving grace is that we just talked about a bunch of bats come available, right? Uh, between you know Hunter Renfro, Randall Gritchuk, potentially one of those could head down to Tor- or head up to Toronto if if they make it through waivers. Yep. So, um, you know, as for Cincinnati, I I. I Matt McLean was the the guy that was really annoying <laughs> when we <laughs> when I've been watching them play against the Cubs a lot this summer. I mean he Ellie was got got a lot of the the hype uh, because of the power because of the speed, but Matt McLean was the the guy who was consistently sitting in a 130 WRC plus all summer. Um, and yeah, like you said, I, Corbin Carroll just is going to run away with the Rookie of the Year, but Matt McLean was is going to get top three votes and he's going to deserve every single one of them hey uh just saying the blue Jays have a hole open at third base and matt chapman went down and the third baseman got released today that used to play there that'd be interesting <laughs> um possibility oh we didn't say anything about gondolin too uh you know i it's frustrating i saw a, a tweet the other day with a graph of Oh, there's been a lot more Tommy John surgeries this year than any year, but 2021, the year after the 2020 season that got wiped out and that was weird. And then there was the lockout. So I, I, people were trying to relate it to the pitch clock. I don't think that has anything to do with it. You look at a lot of these guys, right? Bautista, Shohei Otani. Those are guys who throw 102 miles an hour. That's going to, those guys are always at risk for injury. I don't think that we're at a weird number. Gonsolin's a little weird. He doesn't throw so, quite so fast, but he does have a funky arm angle, so He's hopefully kinda... he can get back soon. But I, I don't think this is a product of the, the pitch clock or anything to that effect. I think this is a, a you know, some some stuff that was kind of bound to happen. I think it's just bad luck for a year, yeah. honestly. I mean, and Gonsolin's got a little bit of an injury history, too, so I... I yeah, I think it's just bad luck. Um, yeah, so there was some stuff from a Dodger reporter. He did have that flexor issue last year, um, but he said it was a little bit different from this year. But uh, did say that in early June that Gonsolin went and got an MRI on his elbow, and that re- revealed that his UCL was torn. Um, and uh, Neil Elitrach, the doctor known for the Tommy John surgeries at this point, um, told him that he can keep pitching through it as long as he wanted to. It wasn't going to do any more damage. And Gonsolin went to the Dodgers and said that the way that the rotation was, because they were battling a lot, a lot of injuries at that point, that he wanted to keep pitching through it. Um, and the situation got worse. So this is something that they have apparently known about since June. 
um, that was a strong possibility that was going to happen at some point. Uh, and I guess it kind of got to the point with the rest of the rotation where they felt now was the time to pull the trigger on it. So, and Gonsolin is signed through next year already. He signed a two year deal, um, to avoid arbitrations last year. So he's going to get his, his contract. It's not going to affect anything there, but interesting to say the least that they knew about it in June and they still decided to pick up only Ryan Yarborough and I guess Lance late at the deadline, but Hey, they tried. What are we Lance Eduardo Rodriguez. I said I did say Lance Lynn. Oh, okay. Um, who's actually been pretty good, but okay, <laughs> as I said, <laughs> I knew Lance Lynn was going to get over there and just be a dog. Man, he's going to go into the playoffs. Lance Lynn's going to have like a ten strikeout playoff game. Going to walk off the mound cussing at the team every time, and it's going to be glorious. Unless the team's the Cubs, but it probably will be, and 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 that's that's fine. <laughs> Because yeah. it's it's coming, man. Lance Lynn's about to have himself a playoff run, and and we'll get full bulldog Lance Lynn. Oh, one hundred percent. So let's go ahead and jump over to players of the week real quick. Uh, so David, who do you got for player this week? Yeah, I went with a guy I I, I noticed uh, last week when the Cubs were playing the Royals, and uh, he also went this week and threw a six inning, eleven strikeout game against the Oakland A's, and that's Cole Reagans who came over from Texas in the Aroldis Chapman trade. And Matt made mention of Aroldis Chapman earlier. Chapman is what is currently, with Felix Bautista on the IL, the most valuable relief pitcher in baseball per wins above replacement. Uh, And so Cole Reagans has been really good. And he was was throwing 98 in that game against the Cubs. And I was kind of shocked. Uh, the, Ra- the the Royals had this dude who was throwing 98 with a wipeout bender. Um, you know, just how did the Royals get this guy? Well, it turns out it was a, the Royals-Chapman trade, and he he was really, really strong also against this game against Oakland, and that, that gives him 20 strikeouts in 12 innings pitched last two games. I mean, that's pretty dominant stuff, and it's really good work over a, a two-week stretch, and, and he does give the Royals a high upside rotation arm, especially if he's throwing 97, 98 like he has been. Uh, you know, the Royals can, can kind of look forward excitedly because, you know, this Cole Reagans guy, he's, he's downright, downright good. So, uh, yeah, he's going to be my player of the week. Cause I, I know we aren't going to talk about him otherwise, but he looked really, really good, really, really dominant against the Cubs. Who's yeah. yours, Matt? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cole Reagans seems to be a pretty good pickup. I mean, there's no downside to that one. Um, but my uh, my player of the week is Marcelo Zuna. Um, he has been on an absolute tear lately. Um, this past six games, he has hit 500 with a 560 on base and a 1.045 slugging percentage, uh, three homers, um, and a 320 WRC plus. That was before tonight. He's one for one with a home run tonight as well. So um, just wanted to pick him this week. He he's got a one. 30 WRC plus on the season now, um, which is pretty remarkable That's considering crazy. his WRC plus in April for like, you know, a pretty good portion of your, of his plate appearances on the season, you know, a full month's worth was like 20. So getting up to 130 is pretty insane. Um, but he's been very good for a long period of time now. And, um, you know, it's kind of worth, even though there's a lot of reasons to not like it. Um, he's, he's been, he's, probably worth shouting out at this point yeah it's been insane what he's 
been able to turn around since that uh, early season struggles where everyone was saying he probably should be DFA or just released. And yet he's now hit 30 homers on the season and he's, you know, has a little 130 something WRC plus or whatever. So there was, there was audible booze for him on the road by Braves fans. That's how bad he was in April. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he's been, uh, he's been really good. Um, before I jump to my player, none of us mentioned him, but I wanted to, to shout out uh, the week that Adam Duvall had. Um, yeah. He hit five homers, a 444 average, a 500 on base, a 330 WRC plus, and that's not counting that he is two for three today with another homer. Um, so, yep, yeah, um, Adam Duvall is doing one of those stretches where he just hits everything and, and that. So, and none of us really picked him, but uh, I wanted to make sure that we, we said. I picked him Something up in fantasy. Him. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I did, yeah. No. He's already got two home runs. He's he's my um, whole offense this week. It's great. Oh, well, there you go. You got you got Adam Duvall and you get face Jose Altuve. There you go. Yep. I'm losing. Um, Amazing how that works. So the guy that I went with, he's down the, the W or the war list a little bit, but uh that's Royce Lewis, who hit four homers this week, eleven RBIs, hit two grand slams and uh one in back-to-back games, uh, hit another homer tonight. A uh, guy, top, former top prospect that has battled a ton of injuries, came back this year, was immediately injured again, uh, and then had another injury scare. Uh, but he's back, and he's playing some damn good baseball. Like I said, hit four homers, 11 RBI, seven runs this past week, a 310 average, a 208 WRC plus with another homer today. Um, he's a guy that, for the Twins, you know, you want to see him finally get healthy and, and – and play because every time he has, he's shown the flashes of that guy still being in there. Um, the former top prospect. And um, it, it's good to see him have some success and hopefully he can just stay healthy. So I want to shout out Royce Lewis for his, uh, his good week of five homers so far. Oh yeah. Adley or uh, sorry. Royce Lewis is a, just a, a guy, any guy who's easy to root for. He's always one of those guys. I was kind of like, yeah, I wonder if the twins are going to give up on him. Sure. Would love for, you know, my team to go in there and try to snag him away. They, they haven't. And, and I doubt they will, you know, that's a guy who can probably man second base there for a long time. If he can just avoid that injury bug. Yeah. Common for the twins. It has. Been, yep. Unfortunately. And yet they're still in the division. Hey, look at that. But uh, anything else that you guys want to hit on before we wrap this show up? I think we got about, you know, sometime during this week we'll have exactly one month left. Um, so, you know, our next episode will be within the last month of the season. And, uh, you know, at least playoff races heating up and, um, you know, teams posturing for where they, you know, where they want to be when they get to the uh, postseason. You know, the, the Braves, Dodgers, uh you know, to a certain extent, the Blue Jays and, and Rays and some of these teams that just have and the Twins, uh, kind of figuring out exactly how they want to structure things going in. And then you've got teams like the, you know, the cut the all the NL Central and all the AOS to fight for their lives right now. So uh, definitely going to be an interesting, uh, interesting close to the season, and uh, it's exciting. I'm I'm ready to ready to get into it a little bit more. Yeah, I'm so excited Friday. for awards. Oh, go ahead, Amy. I was going to say Friday is the first and the season ends on the first. So as of Friday, there'll be officially one month left. 
Yep, and then we'll see call-ups, I think, for a lot of those guys who teams want to make sure they're on the postseason roster, yep. at least have an opportunity to do so, and then um, you'll have uh, award season as well, where we start looking at some of these awards battles, MVP, Cy Young. Uh, they're, they're all going to be, I think, pretty close races. I don't think anything's locked in stone yet. Maybe Shohei Otani for AL MVP is probably locked up, but, but yeah. other than that, going to be some some fun discussion i think going forward on that and i'm excited to make my justin Steele for nl cy young case uh, he's having one of them games he got hit on the leg earlier in the game and uh he's come out and battled really 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 hard and he looks really good now and he, you know two innings ago he was with the trainer on the mound so excited all right well that is going to wrap up this episode of the Batflip podcast. So thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you guys back next week.